G'day listeners and welcome to another week of the Keeper League podcast with the AFL Fantasy Podcast that doesn't obsess over the superstars. We uh, talk about the lesser knowns and the uh, yeah the blokes that are more likely to add value to your Keeper League. I'm joined by Kays as per usual. How you going mate? Very well, Hef. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Had a, uh, a nice weekend, played golf with you on Friday night and then mm-hmm. had a big buck show on Saturday which was um, yeah quite messy. So Good, yeah, as good it fun. should be. <laughs> How was your weekend mate? Uh, not that loose. I had to work on Sunday, unfortunately, and yep. then uh, just bits and pieces on Sunday. So pretty low key for me. I'm feeling fresh, ready for Australia Day weekend, maybe a few beers. Yeah. All right. So let's get stuck into it. What are we doing this week, guys? We are going to look at Collingwood, Essendon, and Fremantle. Uh, check out all their best 22s and kind of pick out uh, six of the guys that might be under the radar of a few other pods, etc. So we'll, as we, as you said before, we talk about the guys who don't get all the credit, don't get all the the kudos, the ones who help you win a league, though, especially when we're talking keeper and dynasty. So uh, very excited tonight because we get to talk about my bombers and I uh, thought it might be worth bringing in now these delicious Colonial Bomber Kolsch Ales. They are fantastic. Yeah, I don't mind them actually. Out of all the, um, I guess, the footy club branded beers, mm. I reckon they're my favourite ones so far and, you know, that takes a lot to me to overlook a Port Adelaide uh, Pirate There's a lot Lager. of bias to get through. <laughs> a lot exactly. of bias. <laughs> all right. Before we get stuck into the uh, team analysis tonight, uh, we're going to have our league spotlight straight up. So this week we're joined from Lockie, sorry, this week we're joined by Lockie from WA and he's going to tell us about his Keeper League. All right, I am joined by Lockie from WA who's here to talk about his Keeper League. How you going, mate? Yeah, yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Uh, let's uh, kick it off. So what's the name of your league and how long has it been running? Uh, we're the, uh, the Golden Calf Cup and um, 2019 was actually our first year. Okay, cool. So fresh league. Uh, how'd your draft go last year? Were you happy with it or how'd your team go this year? Uh, personally, I was I was fairly happy. I finished dead last, so um, okay. so I, it was part of the plan. I've, I've I've drafted all all young players. Yep. But um, I think I'm I'm I've got about ten who uh, are going to break out in my mind. Yep. But we'll have to see. I've got all the Houston's, Hunter Clark's, yeah, nice. uh, Sam Walsh, those types. So I'm pretty keen on it. Taking the uh, GWS approach, I like that. So uh, tell <laughs> us, so, uh, tell us about your league. How's it structured? So squad size, keeper numbers, list, list changes per year. Anything that you think so relevant. Tell us about it. Yeah, yeah. So we're actually we're fairly unique from what I've seen. Um, we're in terms of we've got eight players. Oh, sorry, eight teams all have um, thirty-two players. So that's just the normal setup with six backs, eight centers, two rucks, six forwards, um, four on the bench, and then six emergencies. Yep. So um, fairly, you know, uh, standard setup. But um, it's probably our rules that set us apart. We've got a few different ones in terms of, um, you know, we don't really have waiver wise. We do a mini draft every four weeks instead. Okay. Um, yep. Things like that. So there's a, a bunch of, uh, I guess, more unique rules that set us apart from, from a few of the other leagues. All right. Uh, tell us about your uh, premiership cup or your trophy. You got one. What does it look like? How big is it? All that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, right. So it is a, a golden calf. Well, the, the closest we can get to a calf, it's a, uh, a big golden cow. I think, um, you know, <laughs> most, uh, it's mostly used for farming ores and things like that. But yep. um, it's based around uh, Harley Bunnell. Okay. Um, that came, yeah, the golden calf is in, in honour of Harley yep. and his um, calf woes. But that, that came from just an inside joke where yep. um, I think uh, a couple of years ago, Joel Hamlin came out and said that Harley Pinnell would win a Brownlow if he could get fit. <laughs> and um, all my mates were, um, you know, uh, dumping on him for saying that. But uh, I, uh, I backed in Harley and I said um, I, I, I took a bet up with them. Yep. Um, if, unfortunately, it was uh, for a bit of money, but um, he hasn't officially <laughs> retired yet. So um, Yeah, you still hope, mate. So I if he does win a brown like the days, then I'm I'm pretty set. Cool. So you've you've got him on your team every year, then, don't you? 
Uh, I, I will pick him up. Okay, good. <laughs> good. It's a game, but, um, but not yep. just yet. I'm not holding him. He's not nah. a keeper. Back your man in. That's good. All right. Uh, so what about uh, in terms of punishments for the wooden spoon? Is he doing anything there? Uh, we haven't done much yet. Um, what we're, we're mainly going to do is just uh, our punishments around the um, the wrap-up night. So things like, uh, um, you know, making the loser pour drinks. And um, I think we're going to do a few more punishments in terms of um, uh, if, if anyone has donuts throughout the year, I think yep. that's worth a shot. So, um, yep. yeah, we're just going to all gear them towards our wrap-up night and then just have a, uh, a big night for that. Sounds good, mate. Uh, anything else about your league? Any funny stories or quirks? Want to hang shit on anyone in your league? Or, um, well, I have got the uh, the uh, runner, the manager of the league. That's um, Jake Thresher. You might recognise that name. Yeah, I've seen that float uh, up on the socials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He's um he's a manager, and he traded me at the start of the year. He went um uh, he traded me Andy Brayshaw, which I'm sure he's already regretting, yep. and um. And a pick in our mini draft, which okay. I used to get Rory O'Brien. So I got Ron Marshall out of it, but yep. I got uh, sorry Riley O'Brien, not Rory. Yeah, yeah, Riley O'Brien and Andy Brayshaw. So he's um he's going to suffer for that. But, yeah, some um, good pickups there. Yeah, no. In terms of um in terms of quirks, I think um yeah, as I said, it's just the rules. We've got um you know a bunch of of uh, different ones that um raise some eyebrows when we we tell other. Uh, uh, leagues about them. No, nah, it sounds good, mate. Uh, it's always good for for listeners out there as well. I think just getting a few different ideas for leagues. I know last year when we did these um, league spotlights, we brought in a whole heap of new, just you know, different. Um, I guess uh, punishments and things like that for our leagues. So that was good to actually hear. So yeah, anything that you uh, can contribute uh, can contribute to the fantasy uh, community. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think the um, the main one. I think we've actually uh, I sent in a, a thing about a comment about it a couple of weeks ago when you're doing another um, podcast on league setups, and that was just um, the one on the uh, under seventies rule. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So I saw yeah, that. yeah, basically that's um, you have to have eight players on your list who have played um, within three seasons. Yep. And um, we basically just did that to keep it like you know as even as you can across the board um, in terms of you know like young players, and so we didn't really want someone just uh, stocking up players like uh, you know Joel Selden, Bryce Gibbs, and those old ones that yep. you know will be for good for maybe one or two years, but then just you know the league will fall apart. Yep. Oh, so, yeah. Um, we tried to keep it pretty consistent across the board with uh, with younger players. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us on the Keeper League this week. Uh, coming on and telling us about your league and uh, good luck for this season. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks, Lockie, uh, for coming on this week and talking about your league. Always good to hear from our listeners, Kays, and, uh, yeah, get a bit of perspective and insight of some of the different, uh, I guess, um, you know, things that other leagues do out there. I think that's the thing that makes uh, Keeper Leagues and that kind of thing so good. It's just everyone does it differently. Everyone's got their own little quirks, and uh, I think that's why we love ours so much as well. Absolutely. All right, let's get stuck into the team analysis. All right, kicking off proceedings tonight, we're going to start with the Collingwood Magpies. So, explain it again. We've picked uh, six players, the three each that we're going to talk about that uh, might be available in your keeper leagues this year and might provide some value. Kay, is I going to get you to kick it off? Uh, who's your first player? Before that, I would start with my best 22 for Collingwood Heff. Of course. And yeah, I don't have it in the so show doc here. I'm very sorry. I'm above you this week. I'm actually <laughs> on the ball for once. So, in the back pocket, we'll start off with Jeremy Howe, Jordan Roughhead and John Noble. Halfback line of Jack Crisp. Darcy Moore and Braden Maynard. Uh, Centre line, Tom Phillips, Scott Penelbury, still side bottom. Jordan Degoe, Brody Majacek, Jamie Elliott. Then Jaden Stevenson, Mason Cox and Callum Brown. Uh, in the ruck, Brody Grundy, Adam Trelaw and Taylor Adams. And on the bench, 
Dane Beams, Chris Main, Will Hoskin Elliott, and Josh Thomas. Now, uh, the, I guess the glaring omissions for me are um, you've missed Langdon out, who you're going to mm-hmm. talk about in a second. What's yep. your reasoning there? Uh, I actually think that the, the Collingwood bat line was very settled at the end of last year and Langdon obviously missed a fair bit of footy. If yeah. he is 100% fit, he probably slots in there somewhere. I'm not too sure where. Yeah. Um, but I, I'll talk about him in one second. But uh, And then it's probably that Dame Beams. We're just not sure where he's going to be. I put him on there because obviously if he is fit, he's in there. Best 22, no doubt. But it's probably between a Braden Sire and a Rupert Wills for that kind of last bench spot for me. Okay. So you think if Dane Beams isn't in, one of those two guys comes in? That's my gut feel. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, all right, let's kick it off. Let's start yeah. talk about some players. All right. So Tom Langdon is the first guy I'll talk about. Um, he's obviously a very, very good defender and was crueled by injury last year. So looking back from 2015 to 2018, he was a really solid defender averaging those 70s. And his last full season was really 2018 where he uh, averaged 74 with two tons. Only played the nine games last year for a 65 average uh, and he had some chronic cartilage injury uh, in his knee there. So he's undergone surgery and has been conservatively managed and it seems unlikely according to Collingwood that he's going to play very early this season. So damn. Uh, it is damn because he's just one of those guys as we love as those defenders, a guy you can lock in for your, your low to mid 70s and not worry about as a D4, D5. Unfortunately, he's not going to be there at the start of the year. Good thing is he's only 25. So for me, he's a he's a guy that you just could take late because he's not going to be on too many radars unless you're a serious fantasy buff and you know what he can do. But um, if you can take him late and just kind of hold him, stash him away for, for the first half of the year, hope he gets back fully fit and going. And, you know, come finals time, he could be a great guy to just slot into that last spot in your defence and get those 70s. And as we know, he can score a ton too. I think the hard part is probably for people deciding whether to keep him or not, whether yeah. it is worth keeping. So yep. think about the bloke who's got him in our side. I think it's Pugs as a guy who's got him. I've actually his- got him now. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. yeah so, so, I did a late, so I did a late season trade with Pugs and I awesome. thought that uh, potentially Langdon could sneak my way into my best So you're the 20, perfect man to answer, 16. The, answer this question. So do you keep him? I can't keep him. Yeah, no, right. So he's in the waivers. He's going to be in the waivers. Uh, in the point draft. Yeah, so where would you take him? Sweet. Uh, look, knowing the first round, look, for me, like I've got nothing to lose. Mm. Um, I'm not probably going to have a crack at finals again this year unless yep. like many things go my way. Yep. So I would take, be taking him, you know, mid, probably mid early just to kind of jump in because I reckon the mm. following year he could actually be um, quite a good defender going forward. It's tough because there's lots of my boys who I want to keep because, yeah. you know, I'm very biased to, yeah. to who I love. And, like, I'd love to slot someone like Landon in there just for some back, back, you know, um, cover really. Like, I've got a couple okay backs but no one really good. If I had that kind of spare 16th spot that I was happy to trade, it's for me, like, Langdon – my last pick's kind of like Cutler or Langdon or potentially Joe Danaher. So yeah. they're the three guys I'm tossing up between That's my 16th Cutler pick. Cutler there, surely. Well, it's got to be Cutler because Danaher's just yeah, as yeah. injured as Langdon. So yeah. And doesn't want to play. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> which is horrible. But uh, he's a tough one. I think I'm going to put him back in and I'm going to be monitoring him very closely and see where he's going to go in that draft. And as you said, like if you're keen on him to go early, you, you might, might have to go earlier than you. Yeah, let the right. games begin. Let's move on to one of my players. So this is actually one of my boys because now I own he's this guy. He's actually so, your boy. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just using the phrase "my boy" liberally nice. every week. <laughs> but anyway, congratulations. Uh, let's talk about Braden Maynard. So he really started to shine last season. He averaged seventy-seven point five uh, in twenty nineteen. So mm-hmm. pretty reasonable going there. Let's have a look at his last five. Uh, thanks to the late season averages and differentials at keepleaguepod.com.au. Uh, he had uh, eighty-seven point two average from his last five games. So what I really like about Braden Maynard is just how consistent this guy is. And we say that about a lot of players like, you know, this guy's consistent because he can get you a 70 row or 
we love 70s at the Keeper League. Mm-hmm. We think that's like a great defender score. Yep. If you can get a defender that gets you 70 every week. Every week. Yep, yep. that's a great. This guy literally gets 70 every week. That's good. He went 12 games in a row where he had 17 or above. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. 70 or above. Yeah. Um, but like a lot of these scores were ranging between 71 and like you know 75. He'd just get the same pretty much score every week. Yep. So really consistent with those 70s. He had three tons last year though. So it's the first kind of year he kind of went big in a few games. So if you remember back to round 22 versus the Crows, he was absolutely on fire. He was kicking snags, running through the middle, doing everything. Uh, and he kicked, uh, sorry, he scored 130 AFL fantasy points. For me, he's a really great user of the ball. So it's not just one of these fantasy types that um, I guess, uh, you know, just get the kicks and get their stats up, but are always on the verge of probably losing their spot on the side. He's actually a pretty good user of the ball. Mm. And Collingwood kind of seemed to want the ball in his hands. So for me, he's a huge breakout challenge. I reckon he can kind of maintain what he did at the end of last season. I think 80 plus should be minimum for him this year. If it's not, I'm going to be disappointed. What do you think, Kaz? Yes, as a guy who used to own Braden Maynard, I kind of followed my, uh, you know, ex player quite quite uh, closely and I've been really impressed you know when I got rid of him a couple of years ago he was you know not doing what he was doing last year obviously um, as you said he's a great user of the ball like it was definitely towards the back half of the season last year for Collingwood they wanted the ball in his hands like he was their user out the back lines and and that's important it's um, similar to someone we're going to talk about from the Bombers it's good to see when they're you can actually see that a team wants to get it to someone because it means you, you, you know that uh, they're going to rack up more stats because they're actually going to be fed the ball a lot more so uh, I've been very impressed by how he's improved. And yeah, look, you, oh, he's definitely a keeper. And if you were starting up a league, I think you'd you'd be looking at him as your, maybe your D2, D3, yeah, I that's reckon. that's what I was thinking, yeah. yeah so. It's getting up to that range. So, that's a, it's a, it's a bold projection, I guess, because you probably could pick someone more established in that point. But you got to think as well that a lot of these guys are going to be likely to go early, these defenders. Yeah. Like, defenders when you think of the scarcity. Yeah, defenders yeah. are a premium for sure. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next player case. Now, when we did the show.case, I was filthy you got to talk about this guy because yes. he is uh, one of this podcast's most favourite sons, yes, I think. he is. And the early bird gets the worm. And I got Callum Brown. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's really one of the pod's favourite. We banged on about him heaps last year. Right, so, Callum Brown, tell us about him. Yeah, so 20 games last year in 2019 and only was an average of 65. So, probably a tad underwhelming, um, especially when you watch him because he always seems to be in the play. He always seems to be involved. And I think that's why we love him. We all, he's always on the screen. He's always doing something, even though his, his, um, his stats might not always be as high as you think they should be. What's great, he gets in dangerous positions, and I think he's just biding his time beautifully before a genuine crack in the pie's midfield. So, really last year where Collingwood were at, his role was limited uh, to be that 60-70 averaging player, the, the high half forward, the pressure forward, that kind of thing. But when he was actually given the opportunity to get a bit of time in the midfield and, and run through the middle of the ground... He really, really showed us what he can do. So, his uh, PB last year was 109 versus Colton, where he had 21 touches, eight tackles, and two goals. Like, that is basically the perfect Callum Brown um, game of what he can do now. But it's really what he can do in the future that kind of excites us, I think, Hef. And if you look at his VFL game, then he played one one VFL game last year. He got dropped back, 24 touches, seven tackles, and a goal for 101 points. So, for me, he's a forward option this year with great upside heading into even this year but potentially definitely 21 21 22 that kind of thing i think he's going to be a guy that just goes from you know that 65 to 90 95 in a year or two easy yeah for me he's the type of player that needs to kind of move into the midfield to score well just like yeah. most forwards and things yeah. like that um because as well Collingwood have a lot of those mid forward types as well that kind of can pinch hit and do both mm. um but as well i guess with callum brown the thing what we're going to have to think about is um, 
where he fits into that midfield because there's so many Collingwood midfielders. There's yeah. probably about seven actually mainstay midfielders, and that's not mm. to mention blokes who um, move through there like Dugowie or like Stevenson yeah. who could go through there and something yeah. like that. Um, so that's that's where I kind of draw my concerns from this mm. season. I think going forward he's going to be an absolute star. Um, so it's probably a good time to jump on if you've got him and get into him early. But yeah. even thinking about this season, like say if Pendlebury they decide to play him across half back because he doesn't have the tank anymore to go mm. in the midfield. Dame Beams doesn't come back from uh, his issues. Taylor Adams is always injured um, yep. so it could actually be a year for him so it could be worth the punt if you jump on him this season and it's something that he has that not a lot of the other Collingwood mids have his speed like if you're looking Penderbury slow side bottom slow Adams isn't you know electric by any stretch of the imagination then you've got guys like Beams Main um, and then the second guys like Sire and, and Willis uh, sorry Willis Wills aren't <laughs> ever since he did that tweet I can't get it out of my head Sire and Wills aren't you know um, electrically paced so having someone like Brown run through the midfield is something that uh, Colin will need um, at times throughout the year and I think he'll get that opportunity more in 2020 uh, than he did last year yeah I reckon it's time to pull the trigger with him uh, draft him this year if you can because uh, you probably won't get another chance to agreed all right, on to John Noble from Collingwood. So, defender this season, only played five games last year. And in those uh, five games, though, in three of them, he uh, went above 70 points. So, his average, including finals, was 67. Um, so, it was pretty consistent through the finals because for the regular season average, it was 68. So, he dropped a point there. Nothing major to worry about. Um, but what I liked about him, especially in the final against Geelong, he just seemed to really command the footy. He looked mm. really comfortable in that game. Looked like he was telling his teammates where to kick it and he would just be there. And they had actually like confidence in him yep. to actually use the ball as well. So that game was a real standout for me. My main concern is, you know, being a mid-season player coming in, uh, then the raft of injuries, uh, we had Jeremy Howard injured, we had Langdon out um, injured last season. If those guys are all fit and firing at some stage, is he still best 22? That's the big concern for me. And if you've got a shit team like mine, you can't really like, hand, you can't really have blokes who aren't playing because you've got mm-hmm. enough of those type players yeah, yeah, that aren't yeah, yeah. playing. So for me, like he's probably not someone I'm going to draft with too much confidence unless it's like super late because I just can't guarantee that best 22. Mm. What do you think, Case? Well, I've got him in my back pocket of my best 22. And look, you could make a case for, you know, obviously Tom Langdon being in there when he's fit. Even Isaac Quainer um, off the halfback flank could mm. be quite handy for them. So it's going to be interesting to watch over the, the Marsh series, see where he fits in. You know, I think for a guy like him in his first season to be playing finals footy is, is a massive tick. Um, yeah. And... Yes, he does have a few tricks in terms of fantasy, which I do like too. He, as he said, he commands the ball really well. He did. He didn't look out of place. You know, like it was a great thing about a few of these um, mature uh, middle, mid-season recruits. Sorry, that they didn't look out of place as soon as they got in the AFL system, and and he looked pretty at home in that Collingwood backline. And you know, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what any what all these guys do who were mid-season draftees last year and how they progress in twenty twenty because we haven't had them for. Well, ages and ages really but yeah. before our time so um, if he can maintain his spot in that back pocket I think he can be a very very handy contributor for your fantasy side yeah for sure alright let's move on to your next player Kays who you got yes my final player for the Pies is Brody Meyercheck. now I think he's going to be one that will not be mentioned in any other podcast um, so we're going to dissect him here and look he's not the sexiest of, op- sexiest of options but he's just so damn consistent we're going to keep banging on this about banging on about this all night it seems but uh, 73 average from his 22 games last year and notched up four tons. So he kicked 36 goals for the Pies and looks like he's going to be a massive player for them again in 2020. Now, look, like all key forwards, Hef, and I know you hate key forwards, hate he him. has his quiet games, but he did have nine games of 80 plus, which is great for that F4 to 5 role. And he does have that ability to go big on his day. Now, what I like is he's improving. 
It's his going to be his third third year in the system uh, because he was a mature age rookie uh, back in the day. So no one's going to look at him in terms of a fantasy prospect. So I think it's just going to be so far down people's draft orders that you can take him as that late, safe, best 22 option and just stream him if you like or sit him on the bench and slot him in when you need to. You know when Collingwood's going to beat up on a side and he's going to take 10 marks and kick four goals and play him then because when he's up and going, the Pies actually play some really good footy. Like He's almost a bit of a barometer of that side in their forward line. And I think when he's playing well, he's scoring well, Collingwood are winning and lots of ticks there. So I think he's just going to be someone that's on no one's radar and he could get quite late in the draft and you've got an F4-5 sitting there, happy days, 70 each week, Bob's your uncle. Yeah, no, I'm starting to turn with like these types of players because he's not a, like the super tall tall forward, you know what I mean? Like the lumbering guys that are really slow and can't really mm. move that much as well. Like he can actually rack up or well, get a few possessions in the forward 50 and actually look pretty dangerous. So I don't mind this sort of type. I'm just thinking, Kays, maybe my um, hatred for uh, key forwards stems from um, our junior footy days at the uh, Nuremberg Tigers. Mm. When I used to be a key forward, I was like the big centre-half forward of the team and then I just stopped growing and then became a halfback flanker yep. from then on. Maybe that's where my hatred stems from. Did you not kick enough goals in your prime? Uh, in my prime, I kicked a lot of goals, but my prime just didn't last very long. Yeah. I think that's the issue. It lasted about three years. <laughs> what were your AFL fantasy stats been like back in the day? Oh, what have had some big games, but uh, yeah. Well, let's so, you're a classic some... big forward. Uh, well, I guess so, yeah. You're hating on your own. I mate. know. that Maybe that's where it stems from. I'm just uh, jealous that serious it problems. didn't happen for me. Someone. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, move on to my last player. And the player I'm going to talk about is Braden Sire. So, there's been a Whoa. lot of talk about him. Mm. And um, yeah, I might be offering a contrasting view about this guy okay and i've just been doing a little bit of digging on his numbers and i've just noticed yep. something that's a bit uh, scary okay hit so me. um he was pretty disappointed last season all right no no questions about that everyone thought that yep. uh dame beams affected him early, um, early coming back to the side yep. probably pushed him out of the midfield then he had a bit of an injury niggle and just form issues probably kept him out of the side as much as he'd like in 2019 and his basketball career yeah, that too. Um, but anyway, he played six games last year, average 50.7. Gross, disgusting for a midfielder, right? Disgusting. All right, so let's look back to 2018. Last year in the preseason, everyone was raving about him. This guy's yep. going to be the next big thing. He's going to break out. Yep, and that's us too. Yep. And I'm actually dirtying myself for not looking to this a bit more. Ooh. So we looked at his averages last year um, yep. in the preseason. He averaged 75.5 in 2018. But what we didn't do is take into account finals, okay? Mm-hmm. So after his finals, he only averaged 71. Okay, and if we now look at his last five games of 2018, the year that we thought he was all going to break out, mm-hmm. his last five games he only averaged 65 points a game. That's pretty gross for a midfielder. Correct. So if you're if you're if a midfielder is consistently scoring 65, you're not going to be touting him for the next big breakout thing, right? No. So maybe we were just expecting too much last year. Maybe the form at the end of 2018 indicated that this was the type of player. So looking at the stats and things like that, he's a fairly contested type player. He doesn't get a lot of that outside ball that the the big ball or the big fantasy scorers get mm. from getting that, and he handles a lot more. Than he kicks as well. Some some days he doesn't even you know he gets one or two kicks and he have eight handles and that sort of thing from his ten touches that he gets. So that doesn't help his scoring either. So people are asking about Beams being out well and can he come in? He didn't play with Beams at all last season. Going through his uh, numbers, I think I've got that correct. He didn't play one game with Dane Beams last year. I'd have to believe you. So yeah, I'm you know call me out if I got that wrong, but I thought well, that's what I saw. So. I just can't see him doing anything this year. I can't see this year being different. Maybe with like a, a better preseason, but 
there was no talk of him being injured last preseason, even though he didn't feature in a lot of the NAB Cup games and things like that. No one really knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, it was a bit strange. But yeah, for me, the only way I can see him actually, yeah, um, doing anything kind of half decent is if, yeah, there's a mass injury in the midfield and he steps up and takes one of those main roles. Yeah. Maybe someone like Pendlebury's moves out or, mm. um, you know, he gets injured or he gets moved to a different position, you know, that like we talked about before. Yeah. I don't know, Kaz. What do you think about Sire? Well, if you look at my best 22, and if you're saying that's gospel, and Dane Beam. Totally gospel. Yes. But. <laughs> Just for the example here. So, Dane yeah. Beams is the only one of those guys who is probably not going to play around one, you know, all things considered. And yeah. I, I might not know everything about these guys. So, yeah. it's really going to be between Sire and Wills as to who takes that other spot. And at the end of the year, it was Wills. Exactly. Yeah. So, I tend to agree with you a bit in your call, but I do kind of have a bit of forgiveness for, you know, young guys in finals. And yep. finals footy isn't necessarily a highly uh, fantasy-friendly game. You know, like it's, uh, you know, a lot of contested footy. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a different ball game. It's a completely different ball yep. game. So, if his numbers dropped off to the final series in 2018, that's not, you know, the be-all and end-all for me. I think you can forgive him for that. What you can't forgive him for is what happened last year because he came into last season unfit. Um, then he obviously had his injury issues and his form issues and we all know what happened there. And Rupert Wills has jumped him. He's yeah. really jumped him for that spot. So, he's got to get that off him because I think that that's the spot that is potentially up for grabs because all the other guys in that side have a bit of pace who are those outside runners, your Toss Thomases, your Hoskin Elliott's, those kind of guys. Chris Mayne has obviously cemented his spot doing playing smart footy. So, I just don't really see who he's, whose spot he's taking. You yeah. know, if, if we go back to what their team was uh, in the finals last year, it's really hard to see. So, like it's it's a funny one because it wouldn't surprise me if he just went bananas if he got his chance and went bananas and and really started scoring well. Yeah. But I just can't see where his his um his chance is going to come, especially early on in the season, which makes him hard to to put a finger on where to draft him. Yeah, of course. All right, that wraps up Collingwood, and uh, yeah, let's move on to your boys' K's, the Essendon Bombers. Yeah. All right, Kays, on to your mob, the uh, Essendon Bombers. Uh, how we, how's their best 22 looking this season, Kays? It's uh, looking so good that you're going to hear that song <laughs> on repeat the 26th of September at about 5pm. Oh, it's grand not. final day. Yeah, I get it. We're I get it. Lift the cup. I don't think that's going to happen. We're not going to do that. But anyway. <laughs> um, right. Best 22. Back pocket, Aaron Francis, Kale Hooker, Mason Redman. Halfback flank, Adam Saad, Michael Hurley, Connor McKenna. Centre line, Darcy Parrish, Dyson Heppel and Andy McGrath. Half forward line, Orazio Fantasia. Joe Danaher and Devin Smith. Uh, forward line of Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody playing footy. Sean McKernan at full forward, Jake Stringer in the pocket. Uh, followers, Tom Bell Chambers, Dylan Shill and Zach Merritt. And on the pine, Marty Gleeson, Matt Guelphy, David Zaharakis and Tommy Cutler. Yeah, look, I think that looks pretty spot on to me, Kays, actually. I yeah. don't really follow your mob like, super closely yeah. um, because they're not the greatest team to watch. But- Excuse me. <laughs> we've got the best halfback line in the land. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, two more exciting that. halfback flankers than Adam's side and Conor McKenna. I just wish they were better fantasy scorers. That's the same thing. Me too. Yeah. I'm anyway. excited about the return of Devin Smith this year. That will... Uh- make us a bit more fantasy relevant I think yeah. but, no, uh, I'm sure our listeners probably picked a few more holes in it than that but I think a couple about but the, uh, uh, I've, about got some, I've got my reasons anyway uh, on to the first guy Tommy Cutler now okay. we have had a heap of questions so about many questions him. people yeah. asking us for weeks about talk yeah. about Tommy Cutler so yeah. now's the time I feel I'm like the Tom Cutler expert of Australia like I could be pulled on the Fox footy anytime and just give I, a full rundown look I'm sure a few listeners are now going to tweet in and just you know challenge you on that but right yeah. now I'm calling it you're the Tom Cutler expert of Australia beautiful I'm happy to take <laughs> that mantle 
Um, right. So, I'm incredibly excited about Tommy Cutler coming to the Dons and not just from a fantasy perspective, but from a footy perspective too. So, he's only 24, uh, played three games last year at the Lions for an average of 80.3. Uh, it was his career year career best year the year before in 2018 which saw him play 18 games for an 84.7 average uh there he, he had five tons and a massive 28 touch 142 point game against carlton when fit he played eight needful games last year for a 100 average uh, and that included three scores in the 120s now what i've always loved about cutler is he has an incredibly high ceiling uh, for an outside ball winner especially and on his day can be an absolute fantasy match winner. So I just think he slots in nicely onto a wing at Essendon. Uh, I know I had him on the bench in my best 22 but I think you kind of rotate uh, Parrish and McGrath through that wing there and I just think he provides him a bit more speed, a bit more drive and he can just get back to that 80 average no dramas and I know he's going to be a centre coming into next year which makes him a bit hard to, to kind of... Um, uh, place in drafts or, or where he should go but I think he can genuinely lift it up to a 9500 he can play that genuine ring role ring wing role which has been so uh, prolific for fantasy scoring since the the new kind of 666 rules come in so I'm excited about him Essendon have got no fit players he's going to slot right in there he's looking and completely dreamy, completely fit, and he's going to be ready to fire in 2020. Well, I don't have to worry about where I'm going to draft him in our league because I'm pretty sure you're keeping this bloke. So, correct. Tom Cutler stays a chop for 2020. That he does. Do you have any hot takes on Tom Cutler? Um, no, but I kind of agree with your assessment in a way. I just don't think he's going to, like, as a midfielder, he's not going to be your top three, top four, like, you know, top two, top three yeah, midfielders yeah. on your side, but he's going to be your perfect mid four, mid five. Yep. Um, the guy who probably will score around, I reckon, around the eight, mid eight. Yep. kind of mark and uh, yeah one of those guys that you need in your midfield to kind of fill out the spots and so you're not playing blokes getting 60 and 70 um, I think he's going to be great for that so yep. a good you know late keeper if you've got him and then probably a mid mid early like not early but you know the, the mid between middle and early you know what I mean mm. um, that kind of spot I think he's not a bad player to get from there agreed Oh, that was easy then. Yeah. I'm surprised we're not having some sort of argument over this. Or no, well, I just, his, his, ceil- <laughs> his ceiling is like the best thing about him. Like he can go yeah, yeah. so ham compared to any other, anyone else in yeah. his kind of And I'm role. glad he actually scored above 100 in the NFL as well. Yeah. So that's usually a good it's sign. It's a big positive because yeah. it's very hard to score well in the NFL, So Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, let's move on to uh, my first player. So I'm going to talk about uh, Arezio Fantasia, um, one of the great stitch-ups of last season, Arezio Fantasia. Um, didn't become a Port Adelaide player in the off-season like many people were suggesting. Mm. But, oh, well, I'll still talk about him. Uh, look, Narazio Fantasia, a couple of real poor performances early last season. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of went on a, a decent run uh, with a couple of tons involved, kicking a few snags here and there, a few bags of four, a few bags of three, that sort of thing, doing what Narazio does best. Yep. So, had 104 in round three against Melbourne. That was pretty nice. Oh, and had 101 versus North Melbourne in round five too. So, some decent scoring there. But then injuries hit and, uh, you know, interrupted for the rest of the year. So, um, had a bit of trouble there. He averaged 54 for the year. So, this is stark contrast to contrast to 2018 where he averaged 80. So, I personally think the 2018 season was out of the box for him. Kays, what do you think? I think that that's almost his go. I think that 80 is his, his, his role. Yeah, I that, think he's like that's, a, his, that's he's his a, max for me. That's what I mean, though. But I think he's an awesome half forward flanker who can run up the ground, get his ball, kicks goals, tackles. Yeah. You know, like he's a. Gr- I think he's a great forward 
option in fantasy. He's never going to be a guy who's going to score you hundreds, yeah. you know, week in, week out. But he's going to be – and he's going to have his quiet games too, just the nature of his role. But I think he's a great person to have in your forward yeah. line. Look, as a, in a keeper league, you're obviously going to take players like this. Yeah. But I don't think – I think at the last start of last year, there was lots of people just saying he was going to be, you know, one of your forward mainstays going forward from this point on, that sort of stuff. And a guy yeah. that you're – you know, for me, like I try to – my forward line, we only play four forwards, but I like to have all of my forwards averaging at least 80. And so for me, that brings him to probably like an F4 for me, yeah. like down that low. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, look, his fitness was his massive issue last year, so that didn't help anything. Yeah. He's not been fit this preseason either. So there's a big warning about Fantasia this year. Yeah. So if I was had him on my list, Purely because of the injury speculation in the preseason, I don't think I'd hold him. Yeah. And you hope you can get him early-ish in a draft, in a draft for keeper league. Yeah. Uh, I still think there's plenty of value in him. Like, I, yeah. I don't think... I'm not right. He's not like a, I don't know, an Eddie Betts kind of bloke who... I know he's a lot older and different, but like in almost a different role. But, you know, Betts is more of a 60, whereas I think that um, Fantasia, similar kind of role, is a genuine 80 kind of a player. Just looking at his average from last year with a 54, he's going to be very undervalued in draft league. So, yeah. you know, he's going to be one of those players that you're going to have to flick through 30 pages to actually get to and people might forget about him. So, that said, like, you're going to probably going to be able to get him later than he should go. So, um, he could offer some value there. And I think value pickups are something you always got to think about when you're drafting. Yeah. If you can get guys later in the draft um, when they probably should have gone earlier, yeah. it's always going to be handy for your side. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Who's your next player, Case? Connor McKenna. So, the Irishman came home like a freight train in 2019. He averaged 90.5 in his last four games and had a career PB and first ever ton of 116 against Collingwood in round 23. So, that night he had 27 kicks, 8 handballs and 5 marks. So, that kick to handball ratio is a thing of beauty. His kicking and running are his massive assets and that's been a massive uh, reason as to why Essendon actually played some good footy uh, towards the end of last year was through McKenna and Sard off the half-back line. He was kind of a player I would have avoided in the past, but uh, from what he did late last year, he's really uh, picked up and made me take notice of what he can do. So, as he spoke about earlier with um, Maynard, the Dons want the ball in McKenna's hands. They want him to run, they want him to kick, they want him to break the lines. And I think that's going to continue in 2020. I think he's the the main link man in there. Yep. Um, and look, while I probably don't think his 70 average is going to go to an 85 plus kind of thing, I believe he can average that high 70s, especially uh, if he does, you know, take that um, that role on early where they are feeding him the ball. So I think he's going to be a very, very consistent D4, D5. The issue is he's probably going to go a bit higher in drafts um, because of his last five average being so high. Yep. But if you can sneak him in a position where you you know you get him nicely ranked, I think he's going to be a good recruit for you because I don't see his numbers being super low like they had been previously. Like he was knocking out a lot of fifties, yeah, especially toward uh, sorry early last year, but towards the end of last year, like he's he was basically border, minimums, you know, high sixties, seventies, etc. And I think that's just going to grow. As I said, no, no, he's not going to be a guy who's going to ever get you eighty five plus, but I think he's going to be a nice little seventy five er to potentially low eighties. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking. So looking at his late season um, averages, so his last ten. His average was 76.8. So, mm. that's what I see him averaging yep. for the season yeah. at the moment. But Agreed. this is kind of a interesting. You, you noticed, you know, we noted his last five and that was um, an 86 average from his last five. Mm. From his last three, average 91. Yeah. So, I don't think he's going that high. So, those numbers make him look pretty good there. But, yeah, um, yeah look, I think he's going to offer some value. Definitely because, you know, we always think defenders and, and forwards too, to an extent. Well, this year it looks even more so. But anyway, they're scarce. They're hard to find. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think he's going to be one of those players that are going to fill a role for many sides who can manage to get their hands on him.
Agreed. All right, on to my next player, Kay. So this is, oh, I guess, one of my boys. He's on my side, but he's obviously going to be delisted. And this is Kobe Much. Mm. Now, Kobe Much averaged zero last season. So he actually played an average zero. That's an amazing <laughs> feat. Well, he pinged a string in the first few minutes of his only game. So that was um, round three versus Melbourne. And, uh, yeah, I think he did a hamstring, I think, within the first minute. And Kay, I think it was the first three minutes. And I was super excited because um, I really enjoyed his VFL numbers from the yeah. season prior. So let's just have a look at his VFL numbers for a second. So last year he only averaged 66, but um, he only played three games. So in his third uh, game back after initially doing his hamstring in the AFL, he injured himself again and only scored 19. So the two games before that, he had a 91 and 88, bringing him to a 90 average. So if you take out his, I guess, injury effect to score in the VFL, he averaged 90, really. Solid. Right? Yeah, solid. So looking at his 2018 VFL numbers now, I somehow deleted them off my... I actually, I got a new laptop, that's what happened, and I've lost the 2018 VFL numbers from my computer. Silly me. But um, I don't know what his what his um, average was uh, from there. But I do have a few notes from last year and when we talked about him in the Essendon uh, mm. podcast. So he played nine games... Uh, sorry, he had nine games above 100 in the VFL in 2018. And I know that his top score was 140 in 2018 as well. Good so going. some big fantasy numbers yeah. in the VFL there. So... Look, too long didn't read, or is it too long didn't listen? I'm not really sure what the uh, acronym is in uh, for this one, but he has scoring potential. For me, he just needs to get on the park. So Essendon, yeah. with injuries, should give him a chance because they wanted to play him really early last season, but the injury kind of just messed him up. Yep. So I think Essendon rate this guy pretty highly. So he's a guy, you're taking a punt on the mid to late stages of the draft. I reckon he's that's the kind of correct want to weigh you want to take a punt on him but mm-hmm. there's so much fantasy potential in this guy um, I left my 2017 prospectus at a mate's place after the draft so I couldn't pull up his, uh, tw- uh, his junior numbers but um, I know that they were good as well yep. so um, yeah look they he's were. one to definitely take a punt on I think with Essendon this year especially how many injuries they've got at the moment with their side I think they are one team you can draft a lot of guys just randomly yeah. Because they could play and they're getting opportunities. And he's a great one. Much is a great one. Um, who's the other guy that's similar to who's in the same draft as much? Don't know. It doesn't matter. But if you pick out a couple guys. The Laverde you're talking about? Yeah. Like Laverde potentially yeah. gets a chance if he's in if he's fit. Yeah. Um, uh, it wasn't much. It was someone else. Yeah, but it doesn't anyway. matter. Anyway. But there's I think Essendon are a team you can just go, all right, well, look. I don't rate him that much, but he's probably going to get an opportunity because Essendon aren't have don't have a very strong list at the moment. So keep that in mind when you're drafting. If you're kind of tossing up between a couple guys, or you just you're at the end of the draft and you just can't be bothered, take a chance on someone like Kobe Much because it could pay dividends. Yeah, or, yeah. I reckon so. Yeah. All right, uh, onto a bloke that was picked up in the mid-season draft, ex-Port yes. Adelaide player, ex-West yes. Adelaide player. Yes. Now an Essendon player. Who Legend. is it, Kays? William Snelling. Oh. So, he started his career really well at the Dons last year as that mid-season recruit. He had huge SANFL and VFL numbers last year. So, he averaged 102 points in the VFL from seven games and 128 points in the SANFL from seven games. Big numbers. So, yeah. The only other thing that was big were his tackle numbers. So, he averaged 10 tackles a game in the Sandville and seven a game in the VFL. So, they are huge numbers. We love the tacklers. If you're getting 40 points alone from tackling a game, that is absolute gold. At AFL level, he played three games, uh, averaged 71.7 there and had a 93-point PB against Port. Now, in the AFL, he was a bit more handball happy than he was in the SNFL, but that's just what happens when you kind of jump up a grade and uh, come play big boy football. Plus, he was playing probably more forward line stuff as well. He's playing, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, not his probably role that he was playing in, yeah. the, in the lower legs. Yeah. But uh, still, I think 71.7 is a great start from your, your first three games at AFL. 
I think he's very, very close to their best 22. With all the injuries that are happening now, I think he's uh, basically a walk-in start there. And last year, he was playing that half-forward flank role, and he just needed that midfield berth, and that's where the numbers are naturally going to come from. Look at it. You look at Heppel, Shul, Zaharakis, and Fantasia to an extent have all been injured this preseason. And I think that makes him a massive chance to get some midfield time early on in the season uh, this year. So he played finals last year. So I think that's an indication that he's probably very close to the best 22, if not in it. And if he can play a good Marsh series and does some damage, I think his stocks are going to rise dramatically. So he's one I'm definitely very keen on. Um, as a forward option, I think there's a lot of value there. Kind of chalk and cheese to what uh, Fantasia does and Snelling does. I think that Snelling has a natural ball-winning game in the fantasy game, whereas Fantasia is a bit more of a quality over quantity kind of player. So if you're tossing up between those two guys, I think I'd be more inclined to push towards Will Snelling because I think there's definitely a spot for him. He's got a more fantasy-friendly game. And as a forward this year in, in fantasy, I think he's a, a very, very good option. I just don't see when, when Essendon have a fully fit midfield that he still gets to go in there. No matter how he goes early in the season. I just don't I know if they actually will. If have a fully fit midfield. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the other question. Uh, but that then I look at it going forward beyond this year. Mm. Is he going to be that viable? Is he someone you pick up to purely play this year and maybe not, I don't know, sneak a trade out at the end of the lot next season? It's hard to tell with a bloke like this. I think as a forward, you can have a punt on him. Like if yeah. he was a mid, you'd probably be a bit gun shy. He might be mid only if that happens. Well, next that's year. next yeah. year's problem. Yeah. You know, like, at, but end of the day, it could be a half forward flanker averages 85 and yeah. you've had a fantastic year of it from a young guy. Like, they're yeah. talking about Jake Stringer playing midfield at Essendon. Like, God, anyone's going to play midfield there this year if that's the case. Like, yeah. those guys out in the midfield, you've got like um, other guys who are injured. Like, there's everyone's injured at Essendon. So, yeah. as you said, just have a crack at some of these guys. They could absolutely make your team this year. I think you're fully aware that Essendon will be in trouble if he's playing full-time midfield. Like, they are going to have a very bad season if that happens. Yeah, but that's underrating a guy who played some pretty damn good, you know, no, state I'm not saying that. I just, like, I just don't think – I think if he's one of their main state midfielders – I'm not saying he's going to be there, like, starting on baller. But if he's on the bench rotating through that midfield, you know, yeah. you never know what these guys can do. All right, let's move on. Uh, I'm going to talk about a Ruckman case. We don't really Ruckman talk about at Essendon. Ruckman very often. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this guy goes by the name of Sam Draper. Not I'm Don interested. Draper. I'm Sam interested. Draper. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I need a Ruckman, so I'm interested too. Hit me with this take. I want to know this <laughs> right. take. So um, Sam Draper did his uh, sorry ACL in the VFL in round five uh, last season. Um, before this, he was averaging 100 points per game in the VFL. So given Essendon's Ruck situation last year, you'd expect him, he probably would have been given a game mm-hmm. at some stage during the year if he would have remained fit. Definitely. All right. So in 2018, going back the year before, in the VFL, he was one of Essendon's best players in the VFL. I think he finished in the top four of their best and fairest, the top five maybe, yep. something like that. Um, so I know it's only VFL, but for a guy who was pretty new to AFL, I think if I'm remembering correctly, um, yep. and had only, it was only his second season, I guess, in a senior system as a bit of a beanpole. Um, yeah, he was going pretty well. So if you look at his hitout numbers, that was the main thing that stood out to me in 2018. Um, he averaged 40 hitouts a game in the VFL, and there's some bloody good Ruckman in the VFL. You've got for Bruce, sure. um, you've got Tom Campbell, yep. guys like that just absolutely dominate. And if yep. he's averaging 40, he's up there with some of the best of them. Mark Pitney was also dominating as well. Sure. Um, so yeah, like there's some good players in there, and he's still going, you know, matching those numbers as well. So it seems to me like he was ready to go last year if your injury didn't hit. So I'm thinking right now, when everyone's fit and firing at their best, mm-hmm. who is the number one rocket Essendon case? Is Bell Chambers still the go-to despite his age and I guess injury concerns there, or has Andrew Phillips been recruited to kind of? just be the stopgap until Draper's ready and then later on the season Draper's going to go. What do you think? I firmly believe that Bell Chambers is the number one Ruckman for this year. Okay. If fully fit. 
Yep. They've drafted in Andrew Phillips for cover because Bell Chambers is as reliable as a, I don't know, Chinese watch. Okay. Is that racist? I don't know. Like, I mean, like those those dodgy ones from the market. Okay. You yeah. know, like, not like a proper one from okay. a shop. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I don't know, like Vietnamese watch. I don't care. All right, dodgy, move like, on. Victorian, I don't know. There we go. Market yep. watch. Anyway. <laughs> Dumped it now. <laughs> I don't mean racist. It's just, um, so, uh, Sam Draper, I think, is the future. Like, they were, Essendon was so damn keen to keep him. He's a South Australian boy. I think Port were coming after him pretty heavy or the Crows are coming after him pretty hard. Not sure. Yeah, I think that's the truth. Yep. Um, so, he's basically, I think they've just covered in Phillips to cover because I don't know if Draper will be ready to go the start of this season because if, you know, come back from an ACL, you're a big guy. I think he's... I don't think he's going to be a 2020 proposition as such. I think 2021, because of his injury, he's going to be good to go. I, I'm quite keen on him as that next level, next, sorry, that next, cha- next chapter Ruckman for Essendon. So you don't think he'd be the Tim English of uh, 2020? No, no one's that good. But um, <laughs> uh, I don't, I think if Bell Chambers is fit, he's the number one Ruckman. Can yep. we see him play later in the year? I think so. Yep. I still don't think he's necessarily up and running at the moment, Sam Draper, like yeah. properly fit. So yeah. I think. We're going to know a lot more halfway through the season, yeah. um, but I am quite keen on him as a proposition. I just yeah. don't know whether it's 2020. So 2020, 2021 is going to be the uh, next Tim English. Correct. All right, but put that Tim one down English will be like Brody Grundy then. All right, put that down in your black books, both of those. Yes. All right, uh, that wraps well, it up for Essendon, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Cool. And let's move on to the Frio Dockers. Love it. And the greatest theme song in the AFL K's, uh, not according to many, I don't think. But anyway, uh, Frio Dockers. the big, big sound? <laughs> oh, actually, that's probably the best. I was only joking, by the way. Oh, I think many I people hate the Frio song. Frio's sweet. <laughs> I think it was like the joke of the competition until like the Gold Coast came in, I reckon. Yeah. Although I think West Coast is pretty horrible as well. Something about the Western Australian teams. I love our Perth listeners, though. They, we have so many of them. They're awesome. But uh, Suck just up. don't like your team's uh, songs. Anyway, K's, read out your best 22 for Fremantle. Rightio, my best 22 from the back line. Luke Ryan, Joel Hamling, Talon Jaman. Half-back line, Nathan Wilson, Griffin Logue, and Adam Chera. Uh, wing of Andy Brayshaw, Reese Conker, and James Aish. Half forward line, Michael Walters, Jesse Hogan, David Mundy. Forward line, Brandon Matera, Maddie Tabiner, and Rory Lobb. Ruck, Sean Darcy with Nat Fife and Connor Blakely. Interchange of Blake Akers, Hayden Young, Darcy Tucker, and Stephen Hill. Uh, yeah, for mine, I would like to see Caleb Sarong start over Stephen Hill. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that'd be kind of cool. Um, and I thought that was kind of the go-to because Stephen Hill, I didn't even know he was even still on the list. So yeah, he's very old. Yeah, he's done. Um, the only other thing I'm thinking is maybe just a reshuffle of positions, I guess, like mm-hmm. whether James Ace goes to the wing or whether he starts at halfback and Adam Chera might start on a wing yeah. um, or even Akers on a wing, that yep. sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, looking at your, um, I guess, yeah, so Andrew Brayshaw on a wing as well. I thought he would have been more into the midfield, like into the guts next to Nat Fife. So just a few kind of shuffles like that I probably would have thought in a, in, a, in a different alternative universe. But anyway, Kaz, it's your best 22 and uh, I'll let you kind of go with it. Thank you. No, <laughs> uh, I'm open to all of those changes. I think when you're talking about guys starting off a bench, I don't think that really matters nah, in the AFL anymore. I think like they just play as a second yeah. right, uh, midfielder or something like that. So uh, I think it's just more about trying to get those guys in the 22 and if they fit into a position that's, you know, similar to what they played. Yeah. In the day, you don't even know where guys actually line up anymore. Like yeah. people come oh, on yeah, and you play, start on a half forward flank and you end up most of your time in the halfback line. Like it's crazy. But uh, I think it's, 
if it all goes well, it's not a bad side. It's just another thing as well. Are they too top heavy with uh, Sean Darcy, Matt Tabernard and Rory Lobb? Because you saw it early in the year last year, and I know this was under Ross mm-hmm. Lyon, that uh, Sean Darcy, I know he was injured in a bit, but he struggled to get in the side with Rory Lobb kind of playing the main ruck yeah. and then Tabernard kind of swapping out a bit. Yeah. Um, and then Tabernard got injured and that was kind of, and then Sandy came yeah. back. And Tabernard was, just, was yeah. quite impressive early on in the year in terms of his athletic prowess. Oh, don't like, spoil him, I'm talking about him. Oh, right? oh, like, <laughs> but then you've, like, if you go through my emergencies, like yeah, Cam yeah. McCarthy's probably around the mark if he's fit and ready Absolutely. to go. Like, so yeah. they've got a lot of tools they can play, but you know what happens? Like Monday's slowing down. Like his fantasy numbers are very poor towards the end of last year. Like, yeah, he's injured now anyway. So, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. And I'm very excited about what um, what's his name will do, the new coach. Uh, who is it? Longwell, Longwell, yeah, Justin Longwell. Justin Longwell. I'm excited <laughs> Longwell. How, how, it'll, how it'll pan out. So um, let's have a chat about a few of these players, Hef. All right, uh, on to your first player case. So yes. let's have a look at Talon Duman. Yeah, so he's a little bit of our boy. We talked about him a fair bit last year. Uh, had a solid enough third year in the AFL. So average 66 out of that Frio back line. And he kind of came onto our radar last preseason after his 118-point round 23 game against the Pies. So... Took a bit of time to get in and amongst it last year. His uh, PB was a 21-touch, 6-mark, six 6-tackle six game against the Dons. What I like about him, his intercept marking is a real strength. So he picked up 10 marks against Port in round 23. And for me, I think he's a guy who's going to benefit from a new coach and just some general fourth-year growth. So I know I'm pretty keen on the, uh, the third-year breakout, but for those kind of halfback flanker, the taller kind of guys or, or that kind of um, thing, I think, you know, you can still do some damage in your fourth year. Are you suggesting players can break out in their fourth year case? I have just got a small <laughs> inkling they might be able to. Okay. But I'm definitely, there's a formula about the third year breakout. Right. Um, um, I actually should crush the numbers and see what the go is with that. Please I should do. actually pull them back to, you know, I can pull them back to the dawn of time, really. Sweet. See what Please happens. do. I'd, I'd love to be proven right and or wrong. Yeah. I, love, I don't know if I want to commit that much amount of time to actually prove you right or wrong. But anyway, sure. <laughs> right. go on. Let's move when on. I'm right, it's going to be so worth it. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, he had a 73 and 114 when he played Waffle twice last year. So it does prove he can score, uh, and there he averaged 22 touches and eight marks. So. Marking's a, a serious talent of his, and I think he could be a player that takes that real leap into 2020. So, obviously, new coach, not too sure what happens, but I'm pretty excited about what Jaman can do, and I think he has a fair bit of ability. Yeah, I'm super keen on him as well. I just think he needs to get those shit scores out of his game because the ceiling is going to be quite good. I think if you can actually, you're, I guess if you look at the player and you can actually, you're actually convinced by his ceiling, which I am, and I think you are too, and I think yep. a lot of listeners are too, yep. you've just got to bide your time until he starts to gain that bit more consistency, whether it's a fit thing, a strength and conditioning type thing. You're just going to wait for these players to come on fully um, because I think they generally turn out to be decent fantasy scorers. Agreed. All right. Let's talk on to talk about, sorry, another one of my boys. Oh, <laughs> fuck. I'm actually going to leave. I can't handle any more Andrew Brayshaw talk. Everyone's just talking about Andrew Brayshaw. Like, talk about someone else. A lot of my boys uh, came through um, a lot of trading last season as well, actually. It's not even which you. Is- it's like everyone just wants to talk about Andrew Brayshaw. Well, why wouldn't you? His <laughs> third I'm year breakout be so, time, mate. I'm third year so excited when he's just no good this year. Like everyone just wants a piece of him. All right. So my first note here on the show, Doc, is yes. everyone is expecting like a everyone. breakout. Everyone. That's not even an understatement. Everyone. <laughs> Andrew Brayshaw. Even Mrs. Brayshaw is expecting a breakout from her son. Okay. Well, he, and that's actually her boy. She so expects that every year. It's crazy. Uh, anyway, he's added a forward status to his name. So I think that's more. I don't know if everyone's expecting the breakout, but everyone's expecting with the forward status, he's going to be a super handy pickup. He's a free swing. Yeah. He's a free swing. Especially. 
he lies well on the fantasy classic side of things, he should be a cheaper option. Yep. Also in drafts, if you draft your first one, he should go later because of the slide. Yep. And if you own him, um, you're not going to be throwing him back to the pool because you're going to be taking this chance on him. So I think that's Correct. the biggest thing with the forward status. If he was a midfielder, I don't think anyone would give a shit. Right, am I? It would not be hyped there, as There'd much. still be talk because yeah, yeah. it's, it's who but he nowhere is near as no, much no, as no, what agreed, it is agreed. right now. Yeah, cool. So third season at AFL level, uh, averaging 70 last season and just kind of throwing the last uh, late season averages there. So he averaged 80 from his last five games. Now in his like, well, I guess he, last year, this season he was playing a lot forward, but he did play a lot more midfield time in those last uh, few rounds as well, which yep. is really good to see. So yeah, after playing forward most of the season, moved back in the midfield, had two big tons, uh, or two tons just late in the game, uh, late in the season. So I think he should go all right. More midfield time this year. I think that's going to happen with Monday out now, as well as the exodus of midfielders. I know they brought Acres in, but um, there's not really too many others that are going to be replacing him in that midfield. Um, yeah, third year stat, third year breakout, like we just said. Um, for me, his worst case scenario is he's a 75 average forward next season, which is still serviceable. Yep. But I think he'll go 80 plus. I think he might push to the mid 80s. I'm not expecting you know 100 plus from him. He doesn't seem to me like the type of player that is just about to go nuts like that just yet. But I think he's going to steadily improve, kind of like what his brother did and then went bang. I think he's just going to steadily improve over the next uh, next few years and then he'll probably live up to his pick two potential going forward. What do you reckon? Look, he's probably always going to be a star. I'm just sick of talking about him. Yeah, fair enough. You get I'd, bored talking about players. Yeah. He's going to be good. I, yeah. I honestly don't know where he's going to sit in their side. Like yeah. you said that he was out and Langdon's out. Does he take a wing? I think he's more likely to take a wing than slot straight into that midfield okay. as such. Yep. That's my gut feel. Yep. But, it, you know, if you're playing wing now, you're basically a midfielder. It doesn't really matter that much. I don't and think. with the change in the rules, we saw a wing is kind of get a bit of yeah. a boost last year as well. So where he, what he scores, I'm not sure. Like I think if you could, if you could get an 85 year out of him, I reckon that's awesome. But yep. I think you, you're looking at about an 80. I think an 80. Well, that's, that's going to be good for me. I'm happy yeah. with that. Yeah. All right. So we're sick of everyone talking about Andrew Brayshaw. So is um, I don't know if this guy is spoken about in the same way. So let's yes. uh, have a talk about Bailey Banfield. Now, is everyone talking about Bailey Banfield? I think I'm the <laughs> only one talking about Bailey Banfield. I okay. think there's one person talking about him. But I think there's a lot of upside. So Are he you come- the ba- Bailey Banfield expert of Australia? I actually am as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as a two-time owner of Bailey Banfield, I think I know most things about him. So <laughs> right. uh, some cut of Bailey Banfield, probably Ben Keyes as well. I've got a three. I've got to, I should start up my own management company and just talk about, you know, underrated AFL players. You should just trade all these players in and just have a terrible, terrible year. Uh, I might take Bailey Manfield <laughs> quite high this year. Anyway, he's not going to retain on my list, I don't think. But um, I actually think he's been pretty unlucky over the last few years under Big Ross the Boss. So he had the third highest average of anyone in the Waffle last year. Uh, he averaged 114 points per game. And as you remember, Hairflight, when we do our uh, state league wrap-ups, yep. Getting over 100 in the waffle is like pretty rare. It's hard so, to score in the waffle. Yeah, I no think one scores only, the waffle. Yeah, I think there might only be like 10 players who, who averaged if over that, 100 in over the waffle. So for him to go at 114 points is really good. These are the kicker points, which I absolutely love. So eight of his 11 games were 100 pluses, and he had some whopping scores of 140, 155, and 162. So he was averaging 17 kicks, nine handballs, and seven tackles a game in the waffle. Now, they are absolutely mouth-watering stats. But what happened was he came from the waffle, went into the AFL and just didn't play the same role. He played like a weird little tagging role yep. or a half-forward line. Tagging, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he came to the AFL, played seven games, averaged 55 points there. And his PB was in round one last year when he had 79 points. And that was the only time he actually notched up 20 touches. So third year in the system, new hope, bit of confidence, new coach. What can happen? For me, I think he's a massive monitor in the preseason because 
we kind of saw what happened with uh, Darcy Tucker was like no one before last year. And then he kind of got a few games in the, the JLT last year, did some good tagging roles, ran through the middle when there was no one around. And he actually put a pretty decent score together um, last year fantasy-wise. I think that Banfield could be someone who just kind of comes from nowhere where no one's expecting it. So monitor him heavily in the preseason, see what's happening. There's a lot of talk about um, Brett Buley and that kind of thing, potentially taking some some time. But I've got to feel that Banfield's a bit above Buley for me. But uh, I'm keen on him. I want to monitor him. Where you take him, I think you can get him for dirt cheap, so don't go too, too early. But uh, he's got some fantasy potential. I get Brett Burley and Bailey Banfield mixed up because they the BB. It um, Brett anyway. Burley's taller. He was the mature yeah. age one last that's year. Right. Bailey yeah. Banfield's a little kind of nuggety. No, dude. I did know he was the tagger, so that's kind of how I remember him. But anyway, um, yeah. Look, I think if he's best twenty-two, he's definitely one to consider. But mm. at, that's what you need. If he's stuck in the waffle again like last year, yeah, then it's going to be painful. Yeah, game over. Don't yeah. think about it. But yeah, I reckon just monitor that one. If he's playing, have a look at him because he has some potential. Definitely with those uh, waffle scores for sure. All right, uh, on to uh, my second player of this uh, Fremantle analysis and that is Matt Tabernar. So, mm. this is a very interesting case and it actually You're stumped me. You're talking about a key forward. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Wow. I've changed, man. I've changed. Apocalypse. <laughs> I was on Brady Marchek, Brady Marchek, now I'm on Matt Tabernar. Um, I think there was a key you forward. You. I think there was a key forward I was into last week as well. Uh, but anyway, uh, this was interesting. So, mm-hmm. I didn't realize this, but when I was running the breakout tracker, like I'd do a stat scrape and then it kind of works out the top averages for me. It's all scripted and I don't have to... I click one button, it doesn't all for me. Beautiful. Anyway, um, computer nerd. But anyway, what was really interesting was when I did the forwards, I just the button I clicked to average the top 10 forwards to me, Matt Tabernar, because of the changes to forwards and people missing, 10th, mm-hmm. top 10 forward, Matt Tabernar. For this year, going for into last, this year. Yeah, last year. Like, yeah, top wow. 10, one of the top 10 averages. Wow. So, he um, did have an average of 86 uh, last season. So, that mm. probably gets him up there with, you know, yeah. Dangerfield going. Um, yeah. who Dunkley. Else? Dunkley, there's a heap that left. Um, yeah. yeah, so Boke. he, yeah, Boke, they all jump up. Everyone jumps up. So, 86 probably does squeeze you into the top 10. It makes wow. sense. Um, so, let's have a look at the season. Let's break it down a bit more. So, he had a top score of uh, 128 versus GWS, but then uh, he also had 115 the following week as well. So, he um, can show here can actually ton up as well. Um, he averaged 12 kicks per game. So, and then, so that's 17 disposals per game. So that's a really great, uh, fantastic you know, kick the handball fantastic. ratio there as well. And um, he had eight marks per game too. Gets a few hit outs. Um, for a big man, this is all pretty impressive stuff. But uh, yeah, so I'm thinking I might actually have to break my key forward rule. Yeah. But my main concern or my main wonder is how does this affect the ruck setup? Does, I just, like last year, they very rarely seem to play all three of these guys at once. Yeah. Um, but I reckon he's easily their best I don't know if he's the best key forward. Lob's probably up there as well. But when he's fully Jesse Hogan, fit, yeah, well, yeah, when they're all playing well. But last year, when all three of these guys were, pl- all four of these guys were playing, when they were all on the same they side, I think Tabernard played together. Yeah, yeah. but when yeah. they when they were, well, when Lob, um, Hogan, and uh, Tabernard were playing, he was probably the best of the three, yeah, yeah. working the best three until he got injured. Then kind he of put Lob some seriously good footy together. Yeah, yeah. Early last year, especially. If he stays fit. He could actually be anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, where do you take him? I don't know. I don't know what you do if you're a Tabernard owner. Would you keep him? Uh, you, yeah. Would you drop a, a top, top 10, 10 average yeah. forward? I can't wait to... Who's got him in our league? Is it Joe? Probably. Yeah, I'm going to get into him just... Uh, you know, you're not dropping that top 10 forward. It's a genuine, <laughs> genuine question. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Would you... 
suppose you have to keep him, don't you? Like, it depends what else he got, obviously. Yeah. Um, look, and if he does go, but that's what the thing. If he does go, like, I don't want to draft him too early just because of the injury kind of scare. He doesn't really yeah. string too many seasons together. I feel the beauty of Fremantle is they never really have a full strength list. Someone yeah. always seems to be injured, like Lobb's either injured or yeah. Hogan's five, either five injured or someone, like you know. So they, so, they never seem to have any of those guys really fit and firing at the same time. So, you'd probably keep him on that chance that he, you know, Gets his position where he should be and and dominates from there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm. I look. I'm not going to draft him early, but like the kind of when it's getting to the mid range, uh, the mid early, what I call it, early mid, whatever yes. you call it, that kind of range. That's where I'm looking at him. But you know, once I've filled out my team and I'm starting to pick bench players or my first reserves, that's when I'm looking at him. I think. Yeah, because he could he could really dominate a few games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, my last player for Fremantle is James Aish. So, a guy who's had a bit of an unlucky run with injury and competition over the last few years at Collingwood gets a chance at Fremantle, I think. So, he's only played 30 games in three seasons, in his last three seasons, that is. And he goes to Fremantle where I honestly expect there's a wing spot for him with the departures of Hill and Langdon. So, Justin Longmire apparently really loves him from his assistant coach days. At I'm just going to note that you've got ass coach written here. Yes. Who's his ass coach? <laughs> no, I don't know. I was just talking shit. But. It's, it's called shorthand, mate. You wouldn't understand. You're not a journalist <laughs> like me. Um, so, he played 13 games last year, average of 67, and had six of those at 75+. plus. So, as a defender, that's pretty good going. For the three years prior, he had notched up a ton each year. So, he's only 24. It feels like he's been around for ages because obviously he went to Brisbane as a pretty highly touted. I think he was like number five draft pick. He played some super footy as an SNFL underage kid, won a flag, I'm pretty sure, for Norwood. Went to Brisbane, hated life, and then got traded to Collingwood. I just feel this might be a little coming of age for Aish. So, he's got plenty of talent. He just needs a bit of a role that works for him. So... Looking at a fantasy-wise, I think backs are pretty thin this year, as they always are, and I think he's definitely worth a nice little punt because I genuinely believe that he's got a wing spot sewn up at Fremantle, and if he does, I think he's conducive to some decent scoring, especially as a back. Yeah, I think, like, very late, he's worth the punt. Like, and I think that's what you're meaning, aren't you? Middle. Middle? Yep. Shit. Um, no, I wouldn't go that far. Like, just because, like, we've seen him for year after year after year after year, just done nothing. He's moved the club before, mm. done nothing. He's getting on a bit now. I reckon he's probably he's even 24, lucky. man. Yeah, I know, but you know what I mean. Like, he's been, what, six seasons in AFL. Yeah, um, so he's ready to he'll probably six be 20, year breakout. He'll probably be 25 this year, you know, get there. Six-year breakout. Yeah, we just <laughs> keep extending that, don't we? Um, the thing is, though, like, early last year, I think it was, he did look pretty handy. Yeah. Um, but he just reverted to type. And I Back option. Doing that. Yeah, look, no, nah, I'm taking him late. I've just given it... I've had enough. I'd rather just uh, go with someone else uh, throughout this one. So I'm pretty keen on him. Like, I'm pretty keen on him. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, we'll have to wait and see see what happens. But, uh, yeah. He's one you got to monitor in the preseason, I think, because it, as like Essendon going to be hard because they don't have any – they've got so many injuries you don't really know who's in their best 22 right now. And I think Fremantle's lineup will be interesting because new coach, plenty of young blood, and I'm sure they're going to want to blood them. Um, and then all these kind of new guys, even if, you you know, your Acres, your Aishas, even Conquer, only coming in last year. It's going to be interesting to see the makeup of Fremantle's team, I think, earlier this season. So I'd be uh, looking at James Ash pretty closely, actually. All right, well, I'll let you do that and uh, I'll just skip and you can take him, so it's all good. Okay, who are you going to talk about <laughs> then? Another one of your boys. Oh, no, he's not a boy anymore because I traded him. Um, I traded him for uh, Tom Boyd, funnily enough, because I needed ruck cover in two or three years ago. But anyway, this is uh, Adam Chera. Would have been three years ago, his first year. But anyway, I'm um, talking about Adam Chera. Uh, he only averaged 60 last season, but he played defence. And for me, he's a natural midfielder, in my opinion. He averaged, um, yeah, so... 
what was I saying? Yeah, average 60 last year. Um, only one point up from his uh, average of uh, 2018, which was, um, I think, yeah, 59 or something like that. Um, his playing more defence um, was the result of him scoring so poorly. I think he didn't kind of take that leap going into the next season because of this. Um, looking at his junior numbers, though, so this is where I kind of draw his fantasy prowess that I've always kind mm-hmm. of liked. And I think that's what other people look at as well to kind of judge him. And that's, uh, yeah, in the NAB League, he averaged 115. So, and at the under two, uh, sorry, at the under 18, uh, champs he scored 82 points per game jeez I'm having struggle with this one um, but when we adjust that to the time on ground uh, scores as well because they yep. are shorter games yep. this works out to be a 99 point average as well the underrated champs playing against some quality composition um, looking at supercoach numbers as well 95 average of the underrated champs and 137 average in the NUB league so supercoach uh, players just put your uh, binoculars on and make sure you're watching this guy going forward Clever. or try to snag him somewhere um, anyway he's been training with the midfield all preseason new coach who should give him a run and be willing to try things we talked about Landon and he'll go on for every midfielder in Fremantle's uh, side yep, it's going to improve them but I think six see- players coming into two yeah, spots exactly yes. I reckon you'll see a bump this season. I reckon he actually genuinely will move into the midfield at some stage, and I think we should see him kind of finally progress. I think this last year was a bit of a, a year where he learned a lot of things about uh, defence yeah. and learned a lot of things probably about how he could play his midfield craft as well, learning that, um, you know, if midfielders don't do their job, this is what happens type thing. <laughs> so I reckon uh, he, he learned a bit last season. I reckon mm. he's going to be one of the most uh, improved players for Fremantle this year. I think he's going to start on halfback one. Okay. I think he actually looked pretty good back there. Like, he gives him a lot of class yeah. off that halfback Look, I agree. It's just from going what the media reports are saying that he's yeah. training with the midfield. Well, everyone trains with the midfield stuff. group. Yeah, like true. Drake Stringer's training with the midfield group. Taylor Walker's training no, with the midfield group. because you have no group. midfielders. That's because the Crows have no... no they're rubbish. <laughs> 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 they need to do something. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I don't know. I'm just talking shit. You know, but like... Um, I just think they're going to give him another year of halfback line. That's that's my gut feel. I could be 100% wrong, you yeah. know, and that's only from a small sample size of games I watched of Freo late last year. But I thought he looked pretty tidy back there, gave him a bit of class. And, you know, there's plenty of guys who can kind of run through that halfback line, that wing line and into that midfield. So it wouldn't surprise me if they try a few things, almost do a little bit of a rotation through some games and see who, who works best in those spots. But oh, there's no doubt about it, he's going to be a star. And if you can get on now, I think you've got to, you've got to do it. All right, Kaz, is that all the players? We haven't missed anyone like last week. No, we, we haven't. got to talk about Grant yeah, Patchell. No. I was pretty <laughs> pretty sure if I had to go back through, but yeah, we're good. We're all good. Right, cool. All right, so let's move on and uh, talk a little bit about uh, the Keeper, Leap, uh, Keeper League membership system we got going on. So just a bit of an update about the breakout tracker. Um, so we've gotten rid of the Excel spreadsheet, the graph that's uh, in there, and we've replaced it with a, a beautiful JavaScript chart that works in the browser, it works on your mobile phone, and you no longer need to load up Microsoft Excel to use it. So I just want to say a huge thank you to uh, one of our listeners, Adam Stewart. Um, he basically built the whole graph side of things um, for us, taught me how to use it, taught me how to update it, all that sort of stuff. Um, absolute legend. One of those blokes who just, you know, pops up on Twitter and offers a helping hand. So that's what's great about our listeners as well. Um, you know, so many of our listeners actually give us a hand or point us out things and do things like that. It is so sexy. Yeah, it like looks it so is good. amazing. Yeah, it yeah. looks amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, massive uh, thanks, yeah. Adam. So, if you haven't got on there yet and you haven't been back to the uh, breakout tracker since it's launched, uh, get back on there and have a play with it because, uh, yeah, it looks so much better. It, it's so much quicker um, and it looks so good as well. So, yeah, cool. Cheers for that, Adam. Um, anyway, also as well, we got up for our members, uh, under 18 champs and uh, the draftee state leagues numbers. There we've got reserve state league numbers so you can uh, go through and try to track the next uh, the next big thing, the fringe performers that are going to come in and average 100 this year. So, mm-hmm. 
If you're keen on joining up, check the description for all the links uh, in there. There's a link directly to the membership. If you want to sign up, everything we make just goes to support the podcast, goes back into all the various things we need to pay for to get this up and running. We don't pocket any of it or anything like that. So, um, yeah, just, uh, yeah, thank you for that. And, uh, yeah, as per usual, we read out a few listeners or a few gold members each week. And so, yeah, we'll get stuck into those now. All right. Uh, thank you to Adam Sutton, PJ, Sam, Nick Mildenhall, uh, Dan Kovacevic. 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 Oh, God, where were you on that one, Case? Right here. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, Mr. K. Uh, so, thank you to those. So, yeah, we read out five every week. Um, if you can on joining up, head to the links in the description. And, yeah, have your name read out in the podcast. All right. Time to get stuck into the listener questions. Moving on to the listener question. So, just before we begin, uh, I guess a bit of a public service announcement or something. But at the moment, because we've had such a huge uptake in uh, listeners over the off season, that we just which get, is awesome. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like it's absolutely awesome. We we're actually blown away by how much you know what's going on at the moment. But anyway, we're just getting so many questions at the moment that we just can't get through them all on the podcast because like if we do what we did last week, we're going for you know upwards of two hours. So we just try to pick unique ones at the moment um, or questions that aren't covered in the team analysis. So if we think we've probably answered your question earlier. Um, we don't mean to be ignoring you, um, but there was a question I forgot to answer last week, so I actually want to. I've added it in this week to uh, yeah. get it going. So this is from uh, at Urandoff. Um, so, what's a good way to encourage trading between teams? Uh, there's a severe lack of trust um, between teams in our league. So, what's the uh, what's the uh, what's the secret here, Kay? Well, as someone who loves to trade, probably loves to trade too much and then always gets screwed over. Hell yeah, you do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look. I think there's two rules you should kind of play by. So, one, don't let people screw other people over. So, I think that sometimes there needs to be the commissioner at times take charge and go, no, that's bullshit. Yeah. You know, so- Well, just don't be a dick. Like, don't offer the shit trades. Like, don't just try to rip people off. Because- That's right. Yeah. Because anyway. then, then you lose your trust. Well, and there's then you guys lose in the our league that I just don't else. bother trying to deal with anymore because it's just like, don't have the time to sift yeah, well, through- some have overinflated ideas of their players. Yeah. And I just don't have time to sift through 50 yeah. emails going like, yeah. can I have this guy for this piece of shit? And I'm like, no. Anyway, I've, sorry. But I think that the main one is don't be mean to people who have been screwed over or don't be mean to people who trade because- Are you just trying to take some heat off your back here, Cass? Yes. No, no, no. <laughs> but I feel that. Like, I'm happy to be the scapegoat. I'm happy to be screwed over every now and then. But, like, there's just this general stigma in our league where, like, don't trade because you're going to get, you know, teased. You know, like, no one – it seems that no one ever wins in a trade. So, you always, people always bring up shit that happened, you know, five years ago and you go, well, yeah, but, like, it's – I think with fantasy and draft and stuff like that, trading is part of the fun thing. Sometimes you get it right. Sometimes you don't get it right. You know, take the good with the bad. Yeah, I still think in, like, in fantasy football and um, things like this, like, trades only – Trades aren't like they are in the AFL because in the AFL, I guess, like there's a player that wants to go home. So there's a go home factor and there's, I guess, some kind of like, you know. I'd love Josh Dunkley to want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a, like a, like there's sometimes teams are forced into getting screwed over because they, you know, a player yeah. only wants to go to this one club. So they have to give yeah. up probably, you know, more than they want to or whatever to get to this spot or, you know, a team loses out. In fantasy football, it's not like that. So basically, the only way a trade gets done if it's a genuine 50 50 most of the time. And mm. it just doesn't seem to happen because everyone wants to win. Everyone yeah. wants to take that little you know 
5, 10% more and get it. And no one's willing to do it. So that's why it's actually a really hard thing to do in AFL fantasy. There's no outside, I guess, conditions to the trade. You're actually trying to make your team go better. Now, Keeper League is a bit different because you can pick up a, um, I guess, a young gun with potential and you give up an old guy who's going to retire on the next few and that sort of stuff. So that's the way, yeah. tra- that's the way I find most of the trades get yeah. done. But those trades tend to tr- screw up the season, the league for the season because, you know, a, a good team gets 10 old yeah. players in the end of the season. I think a lot of trades get done now or sooner towards your, yeah. your lock-in. Exactly. Exactly. for your keepers yeah. so I think that's a good time to really try and be yeah. active but I also think that um, if you do really want to push it maybe you, you have to require that everyone has to make three trades yeah, in that's what I was going to say like next that. yeah, yeah. The, you have a quota that you have to meet you have to make three trades you have to make five trades or you have to make yeah. five trades throughout the season or something yeah. like that yeah. and everyone has to do it um, and if they don't they lose their first round draft yeah. pick the next year or something like that yeah. that sounds harsh and like I don't I still I'm one of those people that doesn't see the obsession in trading I've kind of built my teams through drafting Love well trading. I know like, so but yeah it depends yes. I like to draft and you know bring players up to a draft and identify players mm. other people don't do that they don't do any research they just rely on screwing people over yes. that's okay so it depends how you want to play it but um, yeah look I reckon maybe introducing some sort of quota that you have to meet might be good yeah uh, next question at AFL Stats, mate. Who is set for the bigger breakout, Florent, Ridley, or Witherden? Well, you'd assume Witherden's already broken out and he's gone backwards, so mm. it's whether he can get back to his numbers. Will Witherden re breakout? Yeah, well, I don't know about that. Last week, I um, I did think he'd probably get back to at least the 80, but yeah, uh, um, I think a few of the listeners, I think it might have been uh, Brisbane Bears, tweeted in just kind of, I think he's a Brisbane fan, and he's gone, so. gone through and he's, uh, yeah, highlighted a number of reasons why he doesn't think Witherden will get back. So mm. get on our Twitter and check that tweet out, but uh, I think he might have fallen out of favour with a the coach and a few different roles he was Ooh. doing as well. So I don't know if that's the case, but um, yeah, look, that's according to the Twitter machine. But anyway, um, for me, Florent, I reckon, is the my, like the biggest breakout uh, candidate for this season. Really probably isn't best 22, but I think he has potential. But if he does come in, you want him to play midfield. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, you don't want to rely on that because I think he generally comes in and plays in defense. So yep. yeah, I uh, agree with that. Yep. All right. uh, at Shadow 5, what was McGrath's mid slash defender split last year? Was he close to retaining DPP? I'm hoping he'll get it again during position changes. Do you know, Hef? Uh, look, I don't have the exact figures, but like you'd assume, I think it was, I think it's either 30% or 35% that you need to play in a position to lose the status. Like you need to, mm. or to actually get it. So yep. he obviously pl- played, um, I guess, under 30% time up there. So um, I think, or back there. So I think he might battle. Look, I see him as a full time mid going forward, especially with the injuries at Essendon. I just can't see him going back there mm. when you've got like, you you know, you're Connor McKenna's who's going to have a good year. You think Mason Redmond will come back in. Yep. Um, and like even someone like, even someone like Cutler probably is more likely to go to a halfback flank than he is to, yep. you know, as well, I think like they're England. they're fully fit back six. Even they're not fully fit back six is still pretty settled without uh, McGrath in there. I think. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, he's going to be playing a lot more midfield this year. All right. Uh, at Tom Petters asks, rank these in order of preference for Frio's vacant wing spots and likely average. So Chera, Bewley, Aish, Acres. Hmm. So I think in terms of average, you'd have to go. I think. Blake Akers is the, the highest average out of those guys. Yeah, just I think as an he's established older player. Yep. And I think moving to a new club kind of boosts him nicely as well. Yeah. He should get some midfield time there as well. Yeah. Uh, Adam Chera would probably be next for me. I think if he can take that next step, um, he's going to be the second highest average there. For me, I think James Aish is a, a walk up 75er. Uh, and I just don't. There's a bit in bit of talk about Brett Bully, but I just, you know, I'd like to see it before I get too excited about him. It, it's the classic preseason hype machine with Brett Bully, I think, at this stage. And. Wing spots, I think, who's most likely to get one? I think, I honestly think Aish is most likely to get one out of those four. I think 
Uh, Akers are probably more run through the midfield. I think, as I said, Cho cross half back, and I just think Bueller will be playing in the twos. Aish is a walk up 75 average despite never averaging 75 before in his career. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, look, uh, I like Akers. I like Akers on a wing. I don't know. Um, so for me, that's the only one. But yeah, I'd have um, Bueller above Aish, but the rest would be fine. So mm. yeah. Anyway. Let's move on. Um, at Crispy Pigskins asks, if Essendon inject Townsend and Hibbert into the midfield, how will it affect scores for Shield, Merritt and Parrish as an Essendon supporter case? I'll hand this one off to you. Thank you. Firstly, Crispy Pigskins is a sweet Twitter handle. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think uh, Townsend would be the one who would go into the midfield. I just don't think Hibbert's going to play, especially with the, I don't know what happened with his injury that he happened last week, but uh, I think Townsend much more than mid uh, Hibbert in the midfield. But to be honest, I don't think either of them would really affect those three in particular. I think if Townsend played that inside, you know, grunty mid that they keep talking about him doing, I think that just allows Shield to be a bit more outside, Merritt's outside regardless, and Parrish is probably a wing. Like, he potentially hurts Parrish's CBA attendances, uh, but I don't think it's going to really do too much to Parrish's scoring potential. Um, And really, Shield is a bit unfit at the moment anyway, so... Uh, I don't think he's going to really affect it. I think he's going to be more in the centre bounce, do some tackling, do some you know hard stuff apparently, and then leave the uh, the other boys to do their thing. That's yeah, my, that's I, I think take. they'll be fine. I yeah. think they'll be fine. If, if anything, they'll probably score more just through their natural progression. Maybe not um, Sheila Merritt, but Paris, I reckon, might even go forward. So yeah, yeah, from there. All right, uh, at Dingo Boyo asks, um, Parrish versus McGrath, who is more valuable to the midfield and do we want them pure inside or getting cheat stats on the outside? On towards Parrish for the higher average. Kays, again, as a Bombers fan, your question. Well, both of them have kind of been disappointments for me thus far, especially fantasy-wise. So um, I see both of them on the wing in 2020, uh, rotating with Tommy Cutler through there. So... If you look at them, they're 22 and 21. They've both only had four career tons, and I don't see them ever being inside bulls. So they're going to be the outside kind of players. You know, Parrish runs really well. McGrath runs really well. I think that's their their play, their outside ball winners. And I don't think they would have recruited Townsend either if they thought that Parrish and McGrath were going to be these inside big mids. So yeah. um, it's hard to split my opinion about who's going to be better this season. Um with the injuries with the with Essendon having this season, it's going to be interesting to see where they kind of line up in the Marsh series. But to me, like I could see Parrish and McGrath averaging exactly the same as each other. Like yeah, I, so I, don't, I think they're almost similar players. Like yeah. they're outside, they damage when they're on there when they're on. When they're off, they're pretty woeful. But I think Parrish for me just is like um, I guess with them, I'm just talking about roles and the size mm. stuff like that more so than uh, the averages and stuff. But I think Parrish just becomes more of the valuable fantasy player just for that potential of playing up forward and. Well, yeah, maintain he's, he's got four status, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so like, I don't. I, I mean, I talk, the question was about averages and things like that, but I reckon he's just going to be more of a valuable fantasy scorer than uh, uh, McGrath is. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, ben Mortimer asks: uh, Valente a chance this year? Question mark. Well, he played seven games, uh, averaging sixty three with a couple eighties in the waffle. Going through his uh, waffle scores, there, he was a really good junior scorer. Uh, injuries just hurt him too much last year. I'm I'm quite keen on him. I think he's a massive talent, uh, both in real footy and fantasy, but I think he needs a clean run at it in the waffle this yep. year. I think looking back at uh, Frio's best 22 or best 26, whatever you want to do, 
this season. I think they're quite settled. They've got quite a good core group. I think he needs to put some runs on the board, play a full season at Waffle, and I think he's a real 2021 prospect. Yeah, real late pickup if you're going to go for him, and uh, hopefully he gets a decent run on the Waffle. If he plays like he does, uh, I guess as his junior numbers uh, suggest, he might be in the side later in the year. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think, he, like Kay said, he needs a year to just actually cement himself, play some football, some consistent football, yep. and then we'll think about him for 2021. Uh, last question at Fox D Greenwood more midfield time candidates please who you got Hef uh, well, I was just thinking before off the top of my head uh, Chase Jones yep. um, was a midfield time candidate Adam Chera was one Andrew Wrong. Brayshaw uh, Dan Houston was in the, it was in the media oh. in Adelaide uh, that uh, he will be spending a lot more time in the midfield yes. this season uh, that's all I can think of Case. what about you well Sam Pepper will not be one of those absolutely not he's, he's playing, playing forward. full forward or something fair Crap. enough whatever yeah. uh, so your team's going well <laughs> Uh, for me, I think Connor Blakely, like he was very hyped last preseason and just played a really weird role last year, a bit of halfback. But well, he was injured like, for half the year as well. Yeah, and, and I think that he's going to be one yeah. who's just going to be slotting straight in that free man on midfield and uh, really taking his game to the next level. And my boy, Jimmy Rowbottom, I think he's going to uh, find a bit of nice midfield time in the Swans midfield in 2020. All right. Uh, before we go, we'll just uh, highlight a, a podcast review. So from Destroyer, um, five star. If you're in a keeper league or dynasty league, then this is a must listen. All the extra content on the website is such a valuable resource. The breakout tracker is a personal favorite. So thanks for that one, Destroyer. And uh, yeah, if you could uh, leave us a review, that would be uh, much uh, appreciated because awesome. that's actually our last one that we haven't read out on the show. So uh, if you've got time and you use uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, give us a review, please. Please, pretty please. And, uh, yeah, we'll read it out on the show and, uh, yeah, use it to plug those as well. All right. Uh, that's a wrap case. So, um, I guess, yeah, we'll follow us on our socials, uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. <laughs> I still don't know what TikTok is. I haven't man. uploaded a TikTok video in weeks now. I think that one's dead Good. for us. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a wrap for us. So, thanks for joining us. We'll be back uh, next week with a few more clubs to talk about. Uh, up to all the Gs, aren't we? Yes, we're Something ready like to go. Yeah. All right, or Hawthorne's in there, I think, as well, some stage. I don't even know what we're up to. No. I'll work out the alphabet Gold next Coast, week. Geelong, Greater Western Sydney. Yeah, good. We're up to the G's. Well done. Yep, good. Okay, cool. So, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, yep, make sure you check out the links in the description for all the socials and the membership stuff and the website. Uh, stay tuned to our website, keepleaguepod.com.au. Lots of articles going up at the moment and uh, various resources uh, that could help you win your league. So, thank you. Have a good long weekend. See ya.